Testing, testing. This is Stefano Virgili from uh, Vox Podcast, and we have today connected with us Talash from Insectipro and Diane Ha, our co-host. Hi, Diane. How are you? Hi, Talash. I'm doing good. I'm good. Thanks, Stefano. So really quick on Talash. Um, we actually, I found out about her through um, a pitch that she did last week. Um, she's one of the participants and also walked away with 25K um, in investments. And uh, so, <laughs> so this is uh, Talash Hybers. Um, she is the founder of Insectipro and you can check them out at insectipro.com, I-N-S-E-C-T-I-P-R-O. Um, and really briefly how I would describe, or what I would describe they do is she's tackling the difficult food security problem that exists in Africa through her bug farm. Now, let me pass the floor to her so she can talk a little bit more about that. How did you, um, how did you, how did, how did it start? You know, what got you into bugs? Uh, so our story actually strangely starts with fish. Uh, when I graduated from university in 2018, I have a bachelor's in agriculture. I thought that fish would be the next frontier in livestock production. So we started in looking into how can we mass produce fish. But when we were looking into it and breaking down the costs, the most expensive part of fish production is the feed. So feed makes up in general animal terms more than 70% of the cost of production. But in terms of fish, it's around 80 to 90 here in Kenya. So we were like, why would we grow fish when it's not affordable unless you can mass produce already in the first year? So we we're like, what is making animal feed so expensive? So when you break animal feed down into the components, you know, carbohydrates, nutrients, minerals, fats, and proteins, proteins are really, really expensive here in Kenya. They make up around 60 to 70% of the cost of the total animal feed. So we thought, why not grow protein? And then from there, my father, we grow biological insects because we have a very big flower farm here in Limuru. So we already knew a bit about insects. And if you look into Europe, crickets are trending a lot right now. You find them in a lot of dishes. There are a lot of pop-up restaurants based around cricket production. In Asia, they're also really popular eating edible insects. So then we looked into crickets. But when you're looking into crickets, all corners of the internet are whispering, black soldier fly, black soldier fly, black soldier fly. So we're like, why does this keep on popping up? So we thought, let's take a look at the black soldier fly. And we started in November of 2018 with two kilos total. And now we're at around three tons production per day. Really interesting. Um, and so basically you, it's edible insects or what's the, pur what's the purpose? Uh, our biggest insect right now is a black soldier fly and it's for animal feed. So it's a new protein component of animal feed. Because I read about the, the crickets and, and they are making flour out of crickets, right? They are using it. Yeah. That's for human consumption. Whereas for you, you yeah. only focus on animal uh, consumption. Yeah, the reason we focus on animal feed is that black soldier fly eats organic waste. So we are also one of the biggest garbage collectors in Nairobi right now. We have um, around 10 to 20 tons of organic waste coming in every day. And the flies can eat that and legally seen that is where 
they can go is into animal feed. Very interesting. This is a very new trend or something that, I mean, it's something that you studied for sure. So it, it has been around, I guess, for a few years, but it, it's becoming more mainstream now. It's because of the attention of the media and the press about it. Uh, yeah, there are quite a few big companies in the world. There's AgriProtein and Protix and Entera and Enviroflight. And those four companies all just got huge investments in the last two to three years, Protex got around, uh, I think it was around 150 million they raised. So ever since then, it's kind of blowing up. And also because they can eat organic waste and they're a good alternative to fish meal and soy, both of which are high demand, low supply. And tell us just, these are all black soldier flies um, that the companies are, are breeding? Yeah. And they have a specific geography where they can be uh, uh, we are really lucky that they are tropical insects, so they breed really well here in Kenya, equator weather, but then other companies such as AgriProtein South Africa and Protex in the Netherlands do it in an indoor system. Oh, so their cost would be higher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I ask why you, you were saying with all the research that you've done, you heard whispers of black soldier flies, um, but, but what, so tell us more, why, why is that a good bug to breed? I think uh, because first they have a very short life cycle. So you, they're harvest ready in Kenya in 12 days. So from egg to market product is a 12 day cycle. A full cycle to lay eggs again is a month. Well, in terms of crickets, it can take up to three months, three to six months, depending on the cricket you're breeding. So short life cycle. Also, when they are, they start off as worms, but then they become flies. And when they turn into a fly, they don't have a mouth. So they are not vectors for disease. So they're not able to pass on diseases. And that's why they're so popular. Also, because they don't have a mouth, they die within seven days. So if they all escaped, it's not like a locust invasion. They would all die naturally within a few days. And also they're very high in protein. So that's why they're very popular for animal feed. Perfect, wow, it sounds like a risk-free, uh, you know, fast uh, breeding protein. <laughs> um, Relatively. So who, who are your customers right now? So you're breeding this for livestock, yeah? What, what kind of livestock would be best to eat this? And you know, what kind of customers, clients do you have around Kenya or maybe outside of Kenya? Uh, right now, we're fully focused in Kenya. So we have conducted our own tests on pigs and chickens, but it's also shown that fish can eat it. So we have a very big project starting in August based on BSF production for catfish growth. And uh, cows are a bit difficult. You have to defat the meal for a cow to be able to eat it, but we are on our way to finding out what that technology is. So right now our biggest customers are feed millers. I think more than 80 or 90% of our production goes to feed millers who include it as an ingredient. But I'd say maybe around 10% would go directly to farmers who mix at home. Um, yep. Stefan, go ahead. Can I jump in? Uh, very interesting. I always, uh, I've always been super excited about uh, agri tech in general, and now that you start talking about technology, obviously it gets even 
uh, more interesting, of course, because I don't understand much about biology, I would say. Is this biology that we're talking about, right? Uh, biotech, is that correct? You say that you are a biotech company or agritech? Is Which of the two is the definition you go by? I think we're at the intersection because we have to make sure the flies stay alive. Their biology is very important to us. But also what's very important to us is developing the technology around them so that they're able to produce on time. They're ready for the market. We have defatting technology. So I think it's more the intersection. That's very interesting. And the reason why I'm so excited about this industry is that because there are not many young people like you that wants to jump into this not so sexy industry. They rather be digital marketer or something else that is more sexy and you can do from the beach and being a digital nomad. Whereas in your case, you actually have to put in the hard work, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, are you going to collect garbage and uh, feed uh, flies with garbage? <laughs> it's not something super sexy, but definitely something that the world needs. And, the, and I guess you're super attractive to investors because they want to, to claim a, a stake of your business. Is that correct? How, how many investors have you had so far? Uh, we're very picky. Right now, we only have one, very, one main investor. But we've been approached by over 20 different investors. We just Last year, we felt like we were too young and we were still in the growth stage. So it was a lot more risk, but this year we're a lot more assured of our production and we have a lot more proof of concept. So we, that's why I mentioned we are in discussion with a few investors now and seeing which road to take. And generally these investors that you're talking to or you have talked to or they approach you, they are from Africa specifically or they are from all over the world? Uh, all over the world. We've had investors approach us from Mexico, from Japan, a lot of Europeans. Actually, not that many African investors, a lot more from outside, outside the continent. Very interesting. And when they approach you, they tend to uh, want to have equities in the company or what type of structure do they suggest? Is joint venture, they want to bring the business over there or they want you to carry on doing what you're doing? They want you to develop more the technology or they want you to expand capacity, entering new markets. What's the inten intention that generally investors have when they approach you? Everybody wants equity. <laughs> not, not a single person has approached us, but that's why we're also so picky. If you're giving away equity, you really have to know who the investor is going to be because they're there for a long time. The investor that we currently like wants both uh, expansion of production, which makes sense, Right now, we're not even producing less than 0.5% of market needs. So if we were producing 5%, then we would be good by the end of the year. And they want us to expand to new markets where, where there's garbage and safety pro can come and set up because we, we've taken a very low tech, a high tech, low tech, like our system is very Africa proof to put it in air quotes. So expansion to new markets and expansion of capacity and um, export. A lot of people are asking for export to Europe. Interesting. And so basically you are beyond schedule. The market is too big for you to address at the moment, I guess. You, yeah. you need to grow. <laughs> and that's where investment <laughs> comes in. The more you get investment, the more you can grow your capacity. You say three tons per day now. What's your target capacity? Our target capacity for the current facility that we're almost finished building is uh, that facility will be able to produce 10 tons a day 
we are finishing this facility. We are on track to finish it in June. Then we will start building our second facility in Kisumu, one of the big cities in Kenya. And that facility output will be 60 tons a day. So in total in Kenya, we hope to have 70 tons a day in the next five years. And then looking at other markets and seeing what's possible there. That means that you will be multiplying your capacity by 20 times and your target at the moment is you increase your capacity by 10 times by the end of the year. So you yeah. want to go from 3 to 30 this year, is that correct? Uh, from 0.5 to 5 percent you're mentioning, right? That's uh, the market that we want to, that's our share of the market that we're going for in total. Our goal this year is 3 to 5 and next year 5 to 10. Okay. in this facility while we build our second facility. Interesting. And what's the approach between low-tech, high-tech? Meaning that the implementation of the business is low-tech, but then what you have done, the underpinning layer is high-tech because you know what, what's happening in the background, but whoever else start working at your farm, I guess it's called farm, not factory, then they will be able to roll down the system quite easily. They don't need uh, very high education. Is that correct? Uh, for example, a lot of people in the world, they grow in crates, but the way we organize our crates is very simple and easy to copy. But for example, the hardest thing I believe to get right is the breeding. So to get the flies to lay new eggs and lay a lot of eggs in one go, we are very good in that. But we've Africa proved it, so it's not, you know, electricity, we're not reliant on electricity that much. We're not reliant on uh, power, power for us is... We try to keep away from power as much as possible. So that's why we've kept it a bit low tech, not high tech, super fancy sensors and everything. But our system can operate without power, but our breeding system is not copyable. That's a good English word. Very interesting. Uh, Diane, you have any question? Yeah, so you mentioned about your current uh, or your future um, location in Kisumu, current facility in Limuru, yeah? Um, I wanted to ask if, like, why did you why did you pick those specific places? And I guess maybe another leading question or another follow up question to that is, how does the farm look like? Um, we started in Limuru because my dad's farm is here, so we ah. started with a very small pilot of around <laughs> uh, the two kilos, and that very quickly grew out of control. So we needed our own space, but the reason we stayed in Limuru is because the temperature is really cold. It's a lot easier to put heat into a system than it is to take heat out of the system. So whenever it's too cold, we just have our heaters go on. And then whenever it's too hot, we can open the vents. But if you're in an area that's too hot, it's a lot harder to get the heat to go out of the system. You need a lot more cooling material on that stuff. And then we chose Kisumu because there is a lot of waste there and waste that we like in large quantities and then we're doing everything right now in greenhouses so a uh, very simple easy like the flower greenhouses but then ours yeah. are tunnels yeah interesting so it looks like you may be growing roses or something like that until you step in there and see what's actually in the crates or whatnot <laughs> Yeah, we have uh, one, the crates you can't really see because the bugs like to go under. But when I scoop like this across, a lot of people get, a, get really shocked. But uh, my favorite room is the place where we have all the cages for the flies because 
I personally think the sound is very relaxing. You know, when they flutter their wings, it's like buzzing everywhere. Not like mosquitoes, but a nice wing (laughs) flap, like many birds together. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Now, I guess, okay, cheeky question. Um, have, Have you or have any person that you know um, have they actually like eaten the flies before? <laughs> I know we're talking about feed consumption, uh, food for feed, but you know, like it's protein still, right? Actually, I was a few months ago, I was in England and I met the British team who's doing what we're doing, but then in London and they all happily, you know, they eat the dried insect and I was like, no, that's not for me. But then uh, the day that we got our dryer installed, it was, you know, it was a big moment. And then uh, my COO said, okay, everybody who's here has to eat a dried insect. And it wasn't that bad. It was very, they have like a nutty flavor, but it's just because I know what they grow in. I'm like, I would, they're very clean, but still it's just a little bit of a, not for me. (laughs) Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. (laughs) Um, okay, so how much do you do you charge? Is it like, I mean, how do you sell it in in the sack or like like corn or how does it work? Yeah, just like corn, they go away in sacks and we sell it per kilo. Got it. And what is the price per kilo? Only if you're willing uh, to disclose. Yeah, of course, a dollar twenty. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, so can you talk about like you know what is it? Um, why are black soldier flies more, you know, better feed than other, you know, say corn or what else, um, not for chickens and pigs and whatnot? So the two comparison products are soy and fish meal. So the problem with soy here is that it has to be imported. Africa in general, not a very big soy growing nation. Yeah, okay. there's Zambia that grows a bit of soy, a bit in the central and a bit in the west, but not not in large quantities so a lot of soy is brought in from outside which if you've lived in kenya long enough you know that any government regulation can be a complete nightmare so if your container comes in at the port and it's stuck there for two or three weeks what are you going to do and then the second product is fish meal and fish meal actually as we discovered over the past year is very problematic so a lot of fish meal in kenya comes from lake victoria and uh, Lake Victoria right now, they have a high synth problem. So the whole lake is covered in leaves. So there's not enough light to getting down for the fish to multiply. And what they do or what happens a lot in this region is overfishing. So if you take out all the fish from the sea, then there are not enough fish for repopulation. So the fish stocks are dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. So what happens a lot is also fish meal is imported from Uganda and Tanzania. But the problem we've seen is that it comes in very adulterated. So it'll come in with sand, with shells to add weight. So a lot of feed millers want it pure, but you cannot get it in pure because the companies they refuse. So dwindling of supplies locally, or it's not available locally, and it's adulterated. In terms of protein, we're higher than soy. Soy operates around 44%. Black soldier flies around 48 to 52%. And soy is always, uh, not soy, fish meal is the highest, it's around 69%. But what makes this a comparable product, especially to fish meal, is that the uh, amino acids are the same. So it's like fish meal, but cheaper and it's grown on waste. So as long as there's waste, we can produce. Uh, what What and where did you study? 
Uh, I studied international food and agribusiness in Haas University of Applied Sciences in uh, the Netherlands. And the, the universities and the education system in Africa is already teaching this type of disciplines as well, or you have to cherry pick where you're going to study? Um, actually, the International Center for Insects, the global headquarters is here in Nairobi, and that has helped us a lot. We tell everybody we are not scientists. It's half trial and error and half really good research coming together on our end. But anything we want tested, they've been able to do for us. And they have a lot, a lot. Their mandate is as many Africans as possible. So there are Cameroonians there, Senegalese people. So they have a very big base for knowledge and also for researchers to come and do their knowledge. And then while we were looking around and seeing, you know, who has a colony, where can we get our first eggs from, the Jomo Kenyatta University here in Nairobi has a very big program. And as we discovered later on the year in Ghana and in Zimbabwe, they have very big departments for insect production because they eat a lot of insects. They eat the really fat worm that, you know, you see in uh, the Lion King, the one that they like, the green one, that's the Mopango worm. The that's one. one. Exactly. <laughs> it's called the Mopano worm. That's one that they eat. When I, when I used to stay in uh, Uganda, I remember I tried the grasshoppers. There is the season of the yeah. grasshoppers. Uh, and I remember that I've seen how they collect the grasshoppers. They, it's very light intense, electricity intense, right? I remember at night they set up this plastic uh, sheet and a lot of light to attract them. And then they kind of wrap them up and, and then fry them and, and, <laughs> and sell them out. Uh, how did you manage to keep your business Africa proof, meaning like con uh, power co continuity proof? So a lot of our sensors are loose, so we can hang them up and then in two weeks we have to take them down and charge them again. And then all our blowers, we don't have that much big heavy machinery. But what we're doing right now is it's really funny. We actually we were talking about ex installing wind wind electricity, wind powers, because this, this area can be very windy, but we looked at how expensive it is to install a windmill and we're like, nope. So now we're looking at solar and we're looking at creating uh, biogas, our own biogas to run our machinery so that we're not reliant on the grid. Because if the grid stops your product, you just, your production shouldn't stop. They're live animals, so they shouldn't have to suffer because there's no electricity. And we made sure that the rest of our system is, a lot of a lot more manual labor intensive than using robots and all those things because in Kenya it's affordable to use people rather than machines. Well, that that's so fascinating. I really hope that everyone will watch this episode episode of the podcast, especially among those. Uh, you're probably a millennial as well. You look very young, so probably among those that are millennials, but they think that they must have a, a mobile app business and, and it's so refreshing to listen to your point of view and how you're making I'm, I'm quite fast with numbers so you say one dollar and twenty cents per kilo means that you are exceeding hundred thousand a month so you are in the millions of dollars of uh, revenues and you have zero download of your mobile app basically right <laughs> so yeah. it, it's really refreshing to see this type of uh, innovation without necessarily forcing innovation you definitely don't need blockchain correct me if i'm wrong but you're probably not thinking of implementing ai or uh, machine learning you just have to do your trial and error 
mixing it with what you know it works, but still there is a lot of room to sorry, to come up with your own recipe. It's like as if you knew the ingredients and you are the chef. You come up with a recipe that is very difficult to copy. And so that's your protection uh, in, in terms of uh, against competition, right? It's like you have your own uh, trademark. So your uh, intellectual property has been developed by trial and error. And now if you want to copy us, good luck. It's going to take you time or money. Exactly. Everything we've done here is trial and error. And we made the mistake last year of the first trial worked. So we were like, let's implement it in everything. And then three weeks later, we were seeing really big drops in production. So from that, we learned if it works in one, we try in 100. From the 100, if it works in 100, we can try in 1,000. But uh, we had to slow it down a little bit. <laughs> but it's just what you, yeah, it's also just what you said. We, or what I personally believe is before you need a doctor, a lawyer, or your phone, you need to eat. So food will always, it's the most unattractive industry, but it is the biggest necessity for life. And uh, nobody can argue with me on that one. Absolutely. I remember back in 2011, when I started doing business in Indonesia, I, I was so keen to enter into any agricultural business, but it's so difficult. Um, back then when I was in Italy, I was helping out a friend of mine that was growing uh, uh, berries. But how can someone come in as an angel investor and find deals? Like probably at this point in time, you have too many investors that were, they are knocking at your doors. But for, for someone like me or Dayan, if we want to make a small contribution and we want to participate in this business uh, of agri-tech or biotech, how can an angel investment approach this field? Uh, there are plenty of other agri-tech ideas being developed right now and agri-tech can also get very expensive because we are not producing, you know, to make impact you need to have big production in this industry. So because we're not, produ we're not focused on producing a hundred, we're focused on producing a hundred thousand. So angel investors, what we also look for in our investors is that they also have to come with good ideas or they have to come with something to contribute. So if you say, I can come in and once I understand what you're doing, I can uh, help you design strategy, then we are completely interested in that. Because our focus is, my focus right now is the bugs have to grow. <laughs> they have to grow the way we want them to grow. And um, our team is built around, like we have a product innovation manager and her job is just, how can we take this crate that they grow in and get it to its maximum production? If we cut out a hole in the middle, what does that do to the bugs? We have two scientists hopefully joining our team soon so that they can also take over a lot more of the biology of the insect production. And uh, we just believe that it doesn't, it's not just about the money, it's also about the experience and the other like strategy and those kinds of things that you can bring to the business. Fantastic. Uh, Diane, we're taking so much time. Uh, it's about half an hour now, or no, a bit more than half an hour. You have any question? I know you always want to ask about COVID yeah. nineteen. Yes, uh, I, I actually, I have, I have two two questions. I mean, but um, one of them can be short. Um, so the first one, um, COVID. So with the borders, uh, you know, uh, closed and everything right now, and and a lot of our food coming from you know being imported, I can see how maybe your business is being impacted in potentially a positive way. 
Uh, can you talk about the, the COVID um, impact? And then later, I'll ask you the, the shorter question. Uh, both negative and positive, because uh, like you said, positively, everybody wants to hold on to their food. Before they put this, uh, the travel ba the ban in place of movement between Nairobi and that, Tanzania and Uganda had closed their borders a lot earlier. So that's impacting the supply of fish meal coming into the country. So we've noticed a lot more uh, ask for our product. A lot more people are asking us when can we have access? Put us on the list, put us on the list, put us on the list. And we're like, calm down. <laughs> we have a system. We first need to fulfill the orders that we have before we try, but that's why we're really pushing on uh, growing production right now. And then negatively, a lot of a lot of companies, like for example, EABL, the big East African breweries who make Tusker, they shut down. So we are our stock of what they were producing is dwindling low. So we took a lot of beer waste from them to put into our system. Oh. So right now our big focus for the past two weeks or my big focus apart from bugs have to grow is who else can be a good waste partner Looking for, for waste. Wow, Looking waste. I waste. Imagine, <laughs> would imagine that would be your problem. <laughs> yeah. Especially because in Kenya. Big quantities of waste. The little market right. lady with five mangoes doesn't interest me, but... Uh, what it's made us do is we've diversified a lot in waste, which is both good and bad. It means we have to invest a lot more time into going to pick up this waste, but it's good, which it means that we have a lot more different, our insects are eating a lot more of a balanced diet right now. <laughs> Including beer, actually. <laughs> Including beer, yeah. No more, no more beer, though. No. <laughs> we, have, we, have a few, we have a few tons left, yeah. <laughs> they better cherish that. So, so my last question to you, um, looking forward for future. Um, so now you're focused on the Black Soldier fly. Um, are you thinking about any other, uh, or is that, you know, you, you want to get to scale first before even thinking about potentially any other bugs uh, to breed? Actually, last year in June, we started piloting crickets because uh, we still see in uh, Kisumu, in that area of Kenya, they eat a lot of insects, they eat the flying termites and they eat a lot of crickets. So demand in Kenya is already there. There's a company and they're like, can you produce four tons for us? And we're like, we can trial and see. But also, again, a lot of requests from the European side because they're making a lot more insect-based products, sorry, for crickets. We're also looking at mealworms because they're easy to grow and the, what they like to eat we have in large quantities in Kenya, sugarcane waste. And we're looking at grasshoppers because uh, of the popularity in Uganda. We're looking for a different way of growing them rather than having one big light sheet and crossing your fingers and praying. But also grasshoppers have a lot of folic acid. So insects are interesting because they grow things that is not like found in the plant. So folic acid is very important for pregnant women. So if we can grow grasshoppers and extract it from that and be able to make more medicines locally or just have it available in larger quantities and you're also doing a big plus to society. Wow, that's fascinating. Stefano, go ahead and-, and Absolutely fascinating. Up. Let's uh, give to Talash the last minute to talk to our audience and who you would like to uh, meet in our audience ideally if it's a uh, we understood you were looking for waste producers for sure um, probably some sort of investment as well I, I know that you recently have done a pitch as Diana shared at the beginning um, 
how about in terms of clients or who else would you like to talk to? And you have the floor for the last minute of the podcast. Okay, first, thank you for having me. We are uh, currently, like I said, waste partners is very important for us. Not just here, we're looking at in the next three years also expanding to Rwanda and Uganda. So if anybody's listening from there, email me. And then in terms of investment, we are looking, like I said, for investors that are more impact investors who are passionate about this, but also can bring fresh ideas to the table about how we approach this. My team is young and ambitious, but our board of directors is people who have ex good, a good amount of life experience. So if you have a good amount of life experience and you think you bring something interesting to the table, we can add you to our advisory committee who we listen to, but we listen to only the things that we like to hear. <laughs> and then um, what else? Uh, thank you for listening. And I think don't be afraid of industries such as agriculture. We all need to eat at the end of the day. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing all this uh, precious information and uh, about your su success story uh, through trial and error. Thank you very much, uh, Talash, for being with us. And thank you, Diane, for introduction. Thank you. Thank you, Talash, for your time. Looking forward to actually eating crickets at some point. <laughs> uh, feel free to pass by. We live in Limur. Uh, oh. Limur. <laughs> <Limor. Okay. laughs> thank you. Bye. -bye. Bye.